Welcome, bike, to the channel. Welcome, bike, to the headquarters. Last night was absolute electricity straight from the fucking outlet. We had the Big Dog Bash drafts kickoff. 6 p.m. Eastern time went smooth as a baby's ass. Flawless on a technical side of things. My draft could have probably went better, but we're going to talk about all of it. The Big Dog Bash is a 600-person fantasy league that we run. Everyone on our team internally is in it. We have a bunch of creators and analysts and everybody that's anyone is in the Big Dog Bash, okay? The grand prize of winning a league is 10,000 shares of our company, BDG. There are many, 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 many other prizes along the way. So if you missed out, that's on you. You can never, ever get in, ever again. You're a piece of shit for missing out. Still love you, though. We're going to go through my entire draft. This was a 12-team, half PPR, super flex draft. And I was picking from the four spot. We're going to go through every pick, my entire team. There's no defense. There's no kicker. So it's all skill players. Only the most skillful drafters walked away with their head high, Happy about their team. Me, not one of those people. But we'll talk about them. We'll talk about my picks, why I chose the players I did, why I faded the players I didn't, and everything in between. The guys that are in the league, how I'm looking at this league altogether, and how it'll be helpful to y'all that are still drafting this week. Y'all know what to do. I mean, I come pre-tucked, but if you're behind the screen, tuck your fucking shirt in. Y'all know the dream. Y'all know the scene. Tuck it in. Fletch your shit. And pull up the draft board. <laughs> All right, so I'm sitting at the 104. We had Taylor, Allen, Jackson, Herbert go off the board. Again, this is a super flex league. So I've done a lot of mocks with this. And to be honest with you, the way the mock to the real draft went was kind of like, you know, like the really played out memes, like you versus the guy she tells you not to worry about. That's kind of how it felt. Like the mock drafts I did versus my actual team in, in a bad sense. But at 104, I was hoping to get Herbert. I was really, I was really, really pleased that I was able to land him at the 104 because I wanted to anchor my team with a quarterback and then not really have to worry about it until much later on in the draft. And that's what I did, but it didn't work out per se how I had been targeting specific players throughout my draft. So I took Herbert at 104 and that was that. I took him over Christian McCaffrey. My super flex rankings have that same lineup. It's uh, JT, Josh Allen, Herbert, Christian McCaffrey. My Superflex rankings are available in our draft guide on bdg.co, also through PrizePix. PrizePix.com, if you deposit $10 or more using promo code BDGE, you'll get a 100% deposit match, plus our season-long draft guide emailed to you for free. I'm sitting here at the 206, okay? And Brady just goes off the board. And I already know that in my first three picks, the way that most of my drafts have played out in the mocks have been being able to diversify up front. I wanted a, a versatile team so that when I got later into the drafts, and by versatile, I mean like picking different positions because I saw where the sweet spots were for most of the players, picking different positions so that when you get to round three, four, five, six, seven, or whatever, you're not forced to take any one position. If you go quarterback and wide receiver heavy, I don't want to have to rely on the dead zone running backs. It was at the 206, Brady just went off the board. I'm like, beautiful. Like, look at the running backs still available on the board. Henry and Najee were still there, and there was two picks before me. And I'm like, bro, there's a chance one of these dudes drops to me at the 2-9. Derrick Henry gets picked, and then Michael Dicka is my cousin Mike. He's my cousin, and I'm going to poison him at Thanksgiving because he took Najee Harris to the 2-8 after taking C-Mac. He he's a Giants fan. He could have taken Saquon. He decided against it. I'll never forgive him for it. I'm poisoning him. I'm not coming to his wedding anymore. I wish everything very poorly uh, on his life for the rest of his life. He took Najee Harris. So I'm sitting there at 2-9, and I do I almost never double up on quarterbacks in the first two rounds uh, in Superflex. I like to get one and then figure out the other one at the end of the draft or the middle rounds, whatever the case may be. So I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at two wide receivers. It would be between Adams and Lamb there for me. They're like the next tier, and then there's a drop-off for me. And then there's a nice fat chunk of running backs. It's Barkley, Saquon, it's Mixon, Kamara, Swift, Aaron Jones. And I'm like, you know what? 
I'm taking one of these guys because I like Saquon above the other guys. I think he's like my running back seven in my rankings right now. So I was toying back and forth between Swift and Saquon. And I ultimately went with Saquon because I think he's just looked great this preseason. I think the offense is revamped. I think the O-line is revamped. I think Brian Dable is there. I just think there's a lot more going for Saquon this year than there had been last year. So I took him. And then you had Trey Lance mixing Kamara, CD, Swift, Jones go off the board. My predicament here was between Adams and Javante. I really didn't want to take Adams here. I was I was actually hoping Diggs fell to me at the 2-9. Didn't even come close to that. In a lot of mock drafts, I was able to get Diggs at the 2-9. Davis Maddock, who is in the fantasy industry, is pretty sharp over there. So he took Hertz at 111. He took Stefan Diggs at 2-2. Again, this is a half PPR league. For quarterbacks, it's four point per passing touchdown. So the rushing upside is pretty valuable here. So he took Diggs at the 2-2. I'm sitting there with Adams at the 3-4, and I'm like, you know, obviously his outlook changes a little bit in Las Vegas, but there's a lot going on with Darren Waller, man. He hasn't practiced in a long time, and he seems to be pretty fucking banged up. If something were to happen to Waller, Adams is in for an absolutely ridiculous season. And this is by no stretch, like, Waller is so far from actually missing any time, and I have no idea if he he might play all 17 fucking games. But, again, where there's smoke, there's fire, and I felt there was enough smoke to warrant Devonta Adams at 3-4, reuniting with Derek Carr there. So that gives me my QB1, my RB1, and my wide receiver one there. I really wanted to take Javante, but I was like, listen, I feel like I'm getting, uh, I got a little bit risky with Saquon there, so let me, like, staple my team with Devonta there, because we do start three wide receivers. We have two flex spots, and then there's 10 bench spots. So it's a 20-team roster with no defense or kicker. So you're getting a shitload of skill players. You start three wide receivers and you start two flexes so that you can start up to five wide receivers. You want to be really, really deep at this position in this type of league. The reason the rosters are so big is because this is a tournament style where the first 12 weeks of the season is playing in a normal fantasy league. And then the top two teams from the first 12 weeks move on to what we call the big dog bash. It's the last five weeks of the season. There'll be a hundred teams remaining. If you're in the top half of those teams in scoring, you move on to the next week, same thing the next week, whatever, whatever. So weeks 13, 14 hit, and there's bye weeks, and there's all this other shit going on, but waiver wires are off. So you have to have a very big team going into this. So I was like, I need to get a lot of wide receivers because we start a lot of them. So Devontae Adams at 3-4 gets back to my pick at the 4-9. Now, most of the mock drafts I've done, my plan going into this was to target Dallas Goddard in like round 7, 8, 9 in, in some area of there. However... I wanted to do that because the middle round of wide receivers was so juicy. Like, I could have started off with Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, right? That's a pretty fucking beautiful wide receiver stack. But Mark Andrews falling to the 4-9 is something that I have never seen in any of the mocks I did for this. He was typically going off right after Kelsey, and Kelsey typically went off at the back of the second round, Andrews early third round. He fell to me at the 4-9. This is not a tight end premium league, but... As my sentiment has changed, as you guys have probably been watching a lot of my videos over the course of the summer, I do not trust in a fucking thing that's coming out of that backfield in Baltimore, man. Gus is out, is going to be out for a while. J.K. Dobbins has not sniffed the field yet in preseason, and they're very hesitant to say he's going to be ready for week one, which tells me he's probably not going to be. And if he is, he's going to be at like 60-70%. I have a feeling we're going to see Dobbins miss time immediately. And if that's the case, all they fucking have is Mike Davis and the Justice Hill, Tyler Beatty. Like, they have nothing in that backfield. So they're going to be going really pass-heavy early on. And then, I mean, listen, just Mark Andrews at 4-9 just gives you the positional advantage at tight end. It just gives you a guy at that spot where you just set it and forget it for the entire season. That kind of peace of mind is fucking priceless. So rather than going with the wide receiver, I went with the tight end. And it's, you know, what happens is when you go with quarterback early, when you go with tight end early, you look at your team and it becomes a little less tantalizing, right? Because you're always looking at the running backs and the wide receivers like, what do I have there? What do I have there? But the breads of the sandwich are really what make that shit good. You can go to a good sandwich shop. They can put that fucking ham and salami together like they're straight out of Italy 
But if the bread is whack, fuck the stack. You know what I'm saying? So I like where we built so far. We diversified. We're not forced into any one spot here. The problem was like I had five wide receivers in my queue, right? My cousin, Mike, again, took Pittman like a little cunt he is right before my pick, knowing how much I liked Pittman. I didn't think he would prep for this at all. So I was really happy that he ended up right behind me because I thought I was going to get a lot of value. Turns out he did a little bit of prep and it was uh, a lot of my content focused. So that really makes me very angry despite my monotone voice right now. Internally, I have multiple like fists like this just throughout my body ready to punch Mike next time I see him. So he takes Pittman there and I'm like, cool, I'm going to get either Keen Allen or T Higgins or God forbid I could stack Herbert with Mike Williams. That would be beautiful. Jalen Waddell, DJ Moore, they fucking all rip off the board immediately. And I'm stuck with, listen, I like Terry. I like Terry a lot. There's a lot of risk there with Terry because Carson Wentz is his quarterback. I didn't necessarily feel super confident taking Terry, but it was really the only choice I had because I'm not taking one of the mid-round running backs. Uh, I thought it was too early to take the next tier of quarterbacks where Matt Ryan went. You know what the most infuriating part about this shit was? The most infuriating part about this shit is all those wide receivers, because there were so many teams and so many leagues participating in this, right? Like like Matt Kelly, player profile, wrote Underworld, like posts his team, right? And there's everybody posting their team as the draft is going on. And I'm seeing all these guys where they're all getting like, okay, so like Jalen Waddle went off at 5-2 in my league. He sends a picture of his team where he gets Jalen Waddle at the 6-8. So I'm seeing all this, like Mike Williams goes at the 5-10 in most leagues. Like I'm seeing all these drafts pop off where the strategy I had going into it, the wide receivers were going to be there in middle round, just never fell to me. So the strategy I had was the same as all these other people, but they just did it really well. And I was fucking not good at it. So fuck them. Fuck them kids. Uh, I took Terry there. Again, I just wanted to start stacking the wide receivers. Matt Ryan rips off the board. And the other, like for real, like Matt Ryan went off at the 5-5 five, five here. And then I'm in a group chat with uh, one of my other dynasty leagues. And there's a kid in there who's also in the big dog bash. who's like, yeah, Matt Ryan went off at the 10-6 in my league. I'm like, this is fucking out of control. I'm playing with a bunch of sharps out here. I'm playing with a bunch of sharps. I didn't know we're sharps, but they're sharper than me. Little did I know I'm a fucking butter knife out, uh, out on the streets. Sad. So the next round is filled with all those like mid-round wide receivers that you really want, obviously. You know, the Suttons, Hollywood Brown, Robinson, Jerry Judy, Gabriel Davis. And this is, this is the real pick that set me off. You could have Pittman because Mark Andrews was there. You could have Najee because Saquon Barkley was there. But the Amon Ross St. Brown was something I wanted so fucking bad. And Mike, just absolute killer pick, man. I wanted him bad as my wide receiver three. I've been growing on him throughout the offseason. And the problem was, you might say like, hey, you, don't you love Rashad Bateman? Don't you have Rashad Bateman ranked higher than... I actually don't know who I've ranked higher. They're both like probably wide receiver 22, 23, something like that. But I already took Mark Andrews. I did not want to stack this Baltimore passing offense, especially not without Lamar Jackson, man. And that's what made this pick hurt so fucking bad. It hurt so bad. I'm still hurting. You could feel the pain in my voice. You could see the pain in my eyes. There's nothing but pain in today's content fucking pain, man. So I settled for Bateman. I love Bateman, but having Andrews and Bateman together does not necessarily make me feel great. If Baltimore has, if, if Lamar Jackson has a game where he throws for 108 yards and a touchdown, my team is fucked. If there's the opposite team controls the ball for 40 minutes, I'm fucked. You know, like that sets my team up for problems. However, again, like I said, I'm nervous about the Baltimore running back. So having the passing game is not bad. I think it's going to be a wildly condensed funnel there. I think them two are going to make up, you know, I've dropped this stat before Hollywood, Hollywood Brown and Andrews last year accounted for the single highest teammate target share of two players on the same team. I think we're going to see a lot of that be the same in Baltimore this year. So that was my thinking. I was upset that I didn't get Amon Ra. I like Bateman a lot. I just did not like the stack there because there's a lot of moving parts. Brees Hall, Chris Godwin, Tua, TJ, Trevor Lawrence, Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm back on the board again. Again, I really don't want any part of the middle round running backs here. 
the David Montgomery's who actually looked pretty good in the preseason and commanded like all of the snaps with Justin Fields. So looking back, maybe I could have went with David Montgomery instead of Darnell Mooney, both Chicago players, but maybe I, whatever, doesn't matter. I wanted a, another wide receiver that I could throw into my flex spot. I think Darnell Mooney as the flex one will be fine. He's going to, he's going to command eight to nine targets a game. He's going to be a very big piece of this passing game. Then Dobbins went off at the seven 11. Elijah Moore at the eight, three was a guy I thought I was going to be able to get on the way back as well. He's someone that I continually saw in people's screenshots go at like the nine, the nine, two, the fucking 10th round, whatever shit like that. So that was disappointing. It got back to me and listen, Everybody knows what happened to Brian Robinson. I wish him a speedy recovery. I hope he's okay. We don't know how long he's going to be out for, but when you get shot multiple times, it could hit something serious. He's, he's in stable condition. It's not life-threatening. However, it still could have hit some sort of organ. It could have fractured his bones. Like, he could be out. It, it, coming back from a gunshot, multiple gunshots. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shots is not a quick recovery. We don't know how long he's out for, but he's probably out for a while. That happened. That news broke, I want to say, around the 8-3 to 8-5 mark. So I'm like, okay, I don't like Gibson at all. Y'all, I, I just don't believe he's a good running back. I think he was going to be a horrible pick in fantasy prior to this Brian Robinson news. And I'm not excited about him in any way because, again, he's kind of on a bad team. I already have Terry McLaurin, and I just don't think he's a good running back. It's fun. He's athletic, but he's not a very good NFL running back, okay? So I, I didn't think he was going to get to me. I was actually happy going with Damian Pierce. I was happy going with Elijah Mitchell there, but those two guys went, and I knew I needed my other running back. I knew I needed another quarterback as well, but I'm kind of sitting here like eh, Daniel Jones is there, Mac Jones is there, Davis Mills is there. I think all, all three of those guys statistically, even Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, will probably put up near similar seasons. So I was like, whatever. We could wait one more on the quarterback. We'll probably need a running back here. And it looks like I made the right choice because we had that string of five running backs. With Gibson now, I think he kind of gets forced into a, a role where he's going to get enough volume to be like a low-end RB2. So getting him at the end of the eighth round, goodbye me. Now, a lot of you guys are going to say, why did Cam Akers fall to the 8-10? Here's the thing, guys, and I was tweeting about this today. This piece of news like really went underreported. This is from 16 hours ago. I was reading this during our draft last night. Los Angeles Rams running back Cam Akers was unable to do any running during a workout on Sunday. That was yesterday. He was unable to do any running. They are 10 days away from their first game, y'all, according to head coach Sean McVay. He has been sidelined a few weeks due to an undisclosed soft tissue injury. The organization doesn't consider this a serious... Yeah, your fucking starting running back can't run, but you don't consider this to be a serious injury. Although it is uncertain if Akers will be ready to suit up week one, Darrell Henderson is expected to split up carries with Akers this season. So I've been saying this to you guys probably for the last... Um, Last like three weeks that I believe it's going to be a complete split 
in the workload for Akers and Darrell Henderson. This makes that that much more obvious to me. At this point, based on that news, I would actually be very surprised if we saw Cam Akers suit up for week one, which tells me, and Darrell Henderson has missed multiple weeks as well with a soft tissue injury, but they had a report come out the exact same time as that Akers one that said Darrell Henderson was able to run fully, sprint at full speed in yesterday's practice. He will be fine for week one. So I let Akers drop. I am not drafting players who are injured going into the season. So I let him drop. Daniel Jones, Austin Knox, Christian Kirk. Then I took my QB2. Is it good? Absolutely fucking not. But look at the choices on the board, man. Mac Jones, Davis Mills, Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield. They're all the same player at this point, to be completely honest with you. So I was like, whatever, I'll take Mac Jones, who I think has some upside going into his second year. He had a very good rookie year. And obviously, we haven't heard a lot of good about the Patriots offense. But that's the kind of rookie year you see that most players take a step forward in, right? And Mac Jones was very, very, very accurate in college. He showed it in his first season as a rookie in the NFL, I think we'll see improvements with him. So I grabbed my QB2 with Mac Jones. We had Herbert there. You know, my sentiment in Superflex has always been, I like getting a really solid starting quarterback one. And then QB2 doesn't actually matter as much because once you get down to a certain level, like the QB14 down to 25, they all put up near similar points per game production. So not really a big drop off after Mac Jones. Uh, it flipped back around to me at the 10-9. I took Alan Lazard as my wide receiver five, who will also be my second flex option uh, as it stands right now. Lazard has the chance to be the wide receiver one there in Green Bay. I don't know if I believe in him much as a player. You know, his opinions on him have gone back and forth, but I think the upside is there. Aaron Rodgers really, really likes him. He's shown to be pretty good when Devontae Adams has not been on the field. Obviously, Devontae Adams is no longer there. So I got the two goats. I got Adams and the next Adams on my team right there. So Lazard is a wide receiver five. Happy with that. The 10-9. Darrell Henderson, again, back at the 11-4. When I was up at Alan Lazard, I was thinking about Robert Woods there because he finally got back on the preseason field, and it looks like he's set up to be the wide receiver one there in Tennessee. I just don't know how effective he's going to be coming off the late season ACL. I do think he's the one there, but you know we'll see what happens. At the 11-4, again, I needed running back help. So behind Barkley, behind Gibson, I took Darrell Henderson for all the exact same reasons I just laid out with why I did not take Cam Akers. So if you have a draft coming up and people are not really aware of what's going on with Cam Akers, Darrell Henderson should be a must-draft player for you right now. It looks like he's going to be a starting running back for now in a very high-powered offense. Don't know how much time Akers will miss. Don't know how bruised up he really is. So uh, I was extremely happy to get Darrell Henderson here. And I just kept stacking depth after that. We had Julio at the 12-9. You guys might be like, why the fuck are you drafting Julio? Great question. I'm riding Julio into the sunset, into the motherfucking sunset, setting up a picnic, setting up a blanket. We cracked the wine. We brought cheese. We brought salami. And Julio is attending. Uh, he got on the field with Tom Brady in the preseason game. And they look fucking good together, man. Julio ripped off a nice 20-yard catch. I don't really have any good logical reason as to why I want him, but Brady makes these veterans just pop, man. Brady makes him pop. Brown's gone. Gronk's gone. Godwin's coming back from the ACL. Uh, so I, I don't know. I just like Julio there. I like him as a high upside flyer behind him. Then I took my quarterback three, Zach Wilson. I think if he didn't get hurt, he'd probably be going before Jared Goff. I think he'd be going around where Baker Mayfield went. So I think I got him at like a three-round discount. I don't need him to start the year. So by the time he's healthy, he can get into my lineup at some point or another. I'm just realizing now that both of my QB2s have week 10 bye. I have a lot of week 14 buys as well. So if I get deep into the bash, that might be a problem. It's crazy because this tournament, again, the bash starts in week 13 and a lot of people, uh, there's six different teams on week 14 buys. There's Washington, there's Chicago, there's Green Bay, there's Atlanta, 
Indianapolis, New Orleans. Yeah, so a lot of teams are going to be hurting bad. So, I mean, I'm not the only one, obviously, with week 14 buys, so it is what it is. After that, again, I just I needed more running back depth. There's nothing really left at running back at this point in the draft, so you're kind of just slim pickings here. I took Naeem Hines at 14-9. I think this Indy offense will be more pass-heavy. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be a beast, but I do think they're lacking weapons, and I think that'll lead to a lot of playtime for Naeem Hines in the slot out of the backfield. I think we're going to see a lot of JT and Naeem Hines together. I don't buy the narrative that JT is going to touch the ball 22 to 25 times a game. He's one of the best weapons in the NFL. There's no there's no shot that he doesn't. But I don't think that means that Naeem Hines can't be a guy who catches 60, 65 plus passes. So it might be tough to figure out when to start his ass. But I actually I actually kind of this is the first time I've ever liked Hines. I've never wanted to draft Hines, but I like him this year a little bit. Uh, I took. Tyler Higby next as my tight end too. And I've shown you guys this uh, this splits before with Tyler Higby with and without Robert Woods. And surprisingly, I mean, they play kind of the same area of the field. Tyler Higby's fantasy production when Robert Woods is not on the field skyrockets. And it was just a year ago where Tyler Higby was like the tight end eight or nine off the board. Doesn't produce like it, but I, I think he's set up in a pretty good spot. I don't think they're going to have a lot of strong run production. I think they're going to have to rely on the pass. And again, Robert Woods and Odell are both gone. So I like Tyler Higby here as a sneaky upside play. I took Jerick McKinnon down here at the 16-9, which I thought was a fucking steal. I was really shocked that he was still on the board. Uh, Pacheco went off the board at the 11-9. Clyde went off at 8-11. And McKinnon seems to have just as much upside as any of those three backs or as any of the other two backs. So I'll gladly take him here at 16-9. He's played every third down snap in the preseason. He's their pass catcher, basically. And if he you know, if he starts to eat into the workload, we saw them trust him down the stretch last year. In the playoffs, he was averaging over 17 opportunities per game. I like him down here. Randall Cobb should be the starting slot receiver for Green Bay. So if it doesn't work out with Alan Lazard, it probably won't work out with Randall Cobb either. But, hey, we're in the 17th fucking round. I took Mike Davis at 18-9 for most of the same reasons I laid out with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards before. I just have a really hard time believing that either of them are going to be healthy anytime soon, which means Mike Davis will probably be worked into a very large workload in one of the most productive rushing offenses in the entire NFL. So at the 18th round, I thought that was a smash. Zay Jones is another guy who I think got really, really sneaky value this year. He's been playing every snap with the starters there in Jacksonville. He got the bag this offseason after a big breakout last year in Las Vegas. He's super athletic. Trevor Lawrence seems to really like him, targeting him a lot. Obviously, Kirk's going to be the one there, but I think Zay Jones can very, very much carve out the the wide receiver two role in an offense that should be way better this year than it was last year. So he was like my wide receiver one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I'll take that all day. And then Boston Scott here at the 29. I mean, listen, we're in the fucking 20th round. I'm interested to see how the Philly backfield breaks out. Two things here I would say about Boston Scott. He has been literally the same thing as Gio Bernard over the last like two, three years. For so long, anytime Joe Mixon got hurt, Gio stepped in and became the RB1 and became a fantasy RB1. That has happened with Boston Scott in each of like the last two to three seasons. Anytime Miles Sanders has gone down, Boston Scott has been an RB1 in fantasy, borderline like top 15 in fantasy. Miles Sanders is already dealing with a hamstring injury. I don't know what his health status is. Also, last preseason game, Boston Scott took all the reps with the starters. Kenneth Gainwell got on the field after him, after the starters got off the field. Kenneth Gainwell... Probably a better player, probably more talented, probably better suited to have more upside in fantasy, but it doesn't actually matter if they don't use him that way. So there's a chance that Boston Scott might be the two behind Sanders here with Gainwell just used in two and four minute situations. So I took Scott here. It is, I mean, it is what it is. I'm fucking backing up a 20th round pick. Doesn't actually matter. So all in all, this was just, this was a sharp draft. This was a draft full of people who have been watching fantasy football since like July, since June. They are like the hardcorest of, of fans in BDG. Not to say our shit is sharp, but the fact that you're paying attention to fantasy in July when we first started promoting this tournament would mean that you're just paying attention to fantasy at that point. So you're probably listening to other podcasts, you're probably watching other videos, etc., which means you're on top of things. This draft was 
without a doubt, one of the sharper drafts I've been in in fantasy. A lot of the times I'm playing with my college friends, my high school friends. Of course, I've done industry drafts and shit like that. This was one draft where it just kind of felt like, you know, you were you ever been in a snake draft and you feel like you're the one pick that just keeps missing the teardrop. That's kind of how I felt the whole time. So my cousin, Mike, big piece of shit, took like six players that I wanted. Pittman, Matt Ryan, Amon Ross St. I think he absolutely nailed that draft. I love his draft right there. I think Aaron in, in team one had a really, really sharp draft. Obviously, the quarterbacks are going to be his downfall. He needs either. He need, I mean, I'm skeptical on all three of those guys. So for him to have two of them hit could cause problems. But the start, the first five picks are just so strong. Taylor, Kamara, Lamb, Higgins, Mike Williams. If he could figure out his QB situation, he's going to have a very, very dangerous team. Roday had an awesome first six rounds too. Josh Allen, Joe Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddell, Chris Godwin. That, that's one of those teams where you're just like, damn, like he, it felt like he was in a spot where like the value just fell to him. But two picks later, I just didn't get it. Kind of interesting after the first six-ish rounds. Trevor Lawrence at 7-2 is interesting. I was looking at our uh, our engineer, our developer, pulled the API from our sleeper drafts and was able to basically uh, put together an Excel sheet that showed each player every NFL player, and then the earliest he was picked and the latest he was picked in all 50 bash drafts. So if you're in the bash and you want that info, that's in the official links channel of our Discord. Um, You can join the BDG3 Discord down below, but if you're not a BDG3 holder, then you're going to be stuck in the peasant chat and you can't see all the hidden chats. So the highest Trevor Lawrence went was 38 at the 402. It's crazy looking at this sheet. It's disgusting. Justin Fields went at 21 in one draft. So the single biggest difference was Noah Fant. He went at the 10, he went at pick 101, which is like eighth round, I want to say ninth round, early ninth round in one draft. And then the 233 in another draft. So 132 pick difference. Brian Robinson, 123 pick difference. Marcus Mariota went 87th overall in a draft and then 198th overall in a different draft. Yeah, the biggest differences seem to have come at the quarterback position in most leagues. It's crazy how different draft. Like Mac Jones went all the way down at 156 in a, in a league where I probably took him at like 90 or something like that. Yeah, it was it was cool to see all the the makeups of these teams, though. I liked Mike's team a lot. Kuda's team worked out really well, too, having going quarterback and running back early. Went Mahomes, Henry, Javante, Kirk Cousins, and then was still able to slam Sutton, Metcalf, Ayuk with the, with the next three picks, and then Damian Pierce and Davis Mills. That Houston Texans double cup stack. Sheesh. Good shit. Who do you got? Who do you guys like the most on this board? What is your guys' favorite drafted team here? I'd say again though, like I look at my team in a vacuum and I'm like, damn, I could have done so much better. I don't love my team. But again, this was a sharp draft. So it's not like I don't see any teams that are overly stacked. I don't see any teams that have benches that are like really deep. It's a very, very competitive league, as it should be, because there's a lot on the fucking line here, man. There's pride. There's content, there's fucking equity in our damn company. There's a whole lot of ETH on the line. This shit's gonna be fun, man. Let me know what you guys think. I'm already fucking ready to draft next year. I'm already ready for Bash 2023. That's it. If you got a draft tonight, good luck. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We'll be putting out content every single day of the NFL season. I'm out, and I love y'all. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.